This episode comes with support from Twinmotion and Monograph's Section Cut Conference. You'll hear more about both of those later on in the show. Yeah, my headphones squeak. Get those checked out. Mm. I think I'm going to have to find some WD-40 for my damn headphones. Yeah, I th- might have been through a lot. There's there's super glue holding some of mine together. <laughs> super old. I uh, had a pair of Bose over the year headphones that I got like what felt like decades upon decades ago. But uh, that I did the same thing as like once I started letting the kids wear them. Then of course they got abused, and I was just like, "But these are great headphones." Yeah, it's hard to let something... It's like, they still kind of work. I guess I'll keep using them. Yeah, yeah. They were just so... They had so fallen apart. There was... I, I mean, I didn't know if super glue could hold super glue together. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, okay. Yeah. Sad, but we'll move on. The process is same in welding. You you weld something, and then you're like, yeah. huh, I think I'm going to weld right over that one because that doesn't look so good or it doesn't look like it's actually doing what it's supposed to. Yeah. How's that adventure been going? Oh, man, I'm so tired. I I enjoy it and I don't enjoy it at the same time. So it's kind of like yeah. real real work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I feel like it's my shoulders just just <laughs> so angry. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? And I, so yeah, I've had some realizations <laughs> over this. I'm number one, the body is, is aging, even though the mind is like, no, you're fine. You're fine. Keep you going. Can do this. Keep going. You've got this. Uh, the other is, I think one of the big disconnects in our, in our industry, I guess I should say, not our profession, but our industry where, where there's several different players within, you know, that are, Handing off the baton, as it were, uh, is I can't believe how much time I spend procuring and figuring out sequencing, you know, procuring materials, mm-hmm. tools, not not procuring tools, but figuring out which tools are the right tools to use. I already have right. all the tools. <laughs> but that's a that's a big one, too, is just. The number of tools it takes to do a thing is insane, insane. And that's really where like the whole do it yourself or thing is really, it's really tough, right? It's just because it's like, oh, I could save so much money doing this if I did it myself. It's just like, yeah, but if if you you have all the tools, if you already had the thousands of dollars of tools and you have to amortize the value of those over a very long period of time (laughs) to see that value returned. (laughs) And then, and, if you're and then, just doing a one and done, right? It's not worth it if you do that. And then there, so that 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 brings up this idea of like, oh my god, I just wish me and my buddies had a database of what tools we have, so that we can just know who has what and when I can mm. borrow it. That yeah. that would be fantastic. Uh, and I'm sure that kind of thing exists, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It's just like I feel like I'm my own personal Home Depot, and I'm sure everybody else does too. But we all have a little bit different things. I mean, how many hammers right. does somebody need to own? Why do I own so many goddamn hammers? It depends on what type of hammer you need. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and then and then there's just the amount of time I spend uh dealing with 
the 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 system, right? The <laughs> the stores, yeah, and the returns, and the trying to find the things, and oh, we're out. Okay, well, wh- where do I go now? Right? Who, can you recommend anybody? Nope. Um, or yeah, it's in a box up there on that top thing. I got to go get a forklift to get it down. Okay, like just so much time is spent dealing with that side of things, uh, and so that to me is like where again we just don't understand what it, what it actually takes to get something built in the real world well so then let me also ask you so if nobody's been paying attention what we're talking about is your back deck amongst and uh, yeah you, and peripheral among, projects among, <laughs> yeah and uh so did you have to go through the permitting process and everything else as yeah. well mm-hmm. yeah so then you had to dealing with that know making sure that all of your documents were up to snuff and you know you you're under do you have to uh have inspections and things like that as well yes yeah so you got to coordinate all that yep exactly so these are all of the things that people don't see when they basically purchase you know design and build turnkey services is all of those things the fighting for you know materials because especially now amongst any other time in more recent history with the whole basic shutdown of the entire, you know, kind of construction industry for the, for a very large part of last year and, and early part of this year, the, now that everybody's, so then of course, all of the, you know, manufacturers basically ramped down because there was no demand well, and they had to and, close and, their plant down because and, and they, they had to, and they yeah. had to close their plant down too. Exactly. I was. Yep. Sorry. And, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and so, you know, so now that everybody's ramping back up to, to get moving on all of their projects and stuff, they actually, the supply outweighs the demand. I mean, right now, everybody's demanding everything, all of the large scale projects, all of the small scale projects, all of the, you know, weekend warrior projects, everybody is trying to do their projects all at the same time and so people don't understand it's like wait you know last year you quoted me x price mm-hmm. well this year because that same sheet of plywood now costs <laughs> you know 10 times as much exactly <laughs> why don't you go out and buy yourself a ferrari right because you'd be able to get that quicker and cheaper than that sheet of plywood yeah i think it was 300 percent at one point oh uh, Gosh, yeah. Just for like OSB as an example. I can give you two examples of that actually. Uh, so I, my decking material is Trex composite decking. So okay. I'm, and you can roll your eyes and, and you no, know, no. I'm not a pure, no, I'm, I'm talking to the audience right now and they no. can all send their complaints to you as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell them about, you know, maintenance, durability, longevity. It, exactly. But at the same time, working with it is not as satisfying as working with mm. wood. It's like a wet noodle. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, it's so floppy. So, and speaking of that, I went to pick up a 16 foot long board, which, you know, another nice thing about it, I have to say is the, the things are straight. I mean, I complain about them being a wet noodle, but they don't cup and bow and twist and sure. they don't do any of that because they're like the chicken McNugget of wood, right? <laughs> Wait. You're saying that chicken McNuggets aren't real? Yeah. <laughs> There's no McNuggets in chicken. <laughs> chicken don't have nuggets. Yeah, so so 
picked one up, snapped right in half. And so oh. clearly there was a flaw. It was it it was like a it wasn't and you know, they also don't break like wood breaks. Like they right. don't they don't split and they don't splinter. They don't they, splinter. But they just it just kind of right. snapped in half, right? And so obviously there was something wrong. Either the forklift damaged it when they delivered it during moving it around or it was a, a manufacturer's defect or something. So it snapped right in half. This is a 16 foot long piece. Like, right? and this was, it is seriously, I, the last piece I needed. And, and I made, did make the mistake of with this particular like edge trim piece, it doesn't have these special grooves in it. So you have all the hidden fasteners and stuff. Mm-hmm. I ordered exactly how many I needed. Everything else I had a little bit extra, which is like a, contractor 101 kind of a thing always buy more than you need and then return what you don't use um because stuff happens you know it just it just does and so this one stuff happened and a month out is is my latest quote after all of the crazy crap i had to go through to get these returned it was in it's an insane amount of back and forth misunderstanding uh, incompetence all kinds of issues that I've had to deal with as being the design builder myself and not just saying, you know, Hey contractor, come do this thing for me. And, uh, they would handle all that. Right. Right. A month out for that mm. shade sales, sunbrella material have to do. <coughs> I just can't talk this morning. <laughs> um, too much, uh, dust in God. paint fumes. So sunbrella material, Two years out. Holy crap. So, okay, plan B, plan C, I don't know what. I'm going to figure out something else. <laughs> Do something temporary. <laughs> I don't know what. But it's it's uh, one of those things where it's like, I didn't see that coming, right? And it is it is the weekend warriors. Like The, the supply is, is bought up and used. Mm-hmm. The demand is high. And the there were the closures. There were the... All, all the different, you know, COVID-related stuff that the manufacturers had to deal with, including logistics and warehousing and all these things. And it all adds up to, you know, all I want is canvas, and it's two years away. Yeah, and and, and there's even, you know, go like you talked about the closures and, you know, the ramping down of, you know, materials and stuff like that. Then there was just the fact that, there were companies that didn't survive. And so they don't. So now you've got you less people in the marketplace that are making things. Mm-hmm. And we, we've even had where we had, we specified somebody who was a reasonable company that we had been using for, you know, quite a while that didn't survive the, the COVID shutdown. And so when our project went out to bid, when they're like, you know, your basis of design doesn't exist anymore. And they're like, and, you know, we had, wow. we didn't know about it. You know, yeah. like, Wait, what do, what do you mean? Yeah. And how do you and get updated like, yeah, on that? It's not like they're going to send out a bunch of communication, letting everybody know that they're shutting down. It's just not, it's just not on the list of things to do. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's not like they don't know who's actually like specifying of the material. So, right. And, and so, you know, now you have few less people out in the marketplace that are actually like, you know, offering whatever material it is that you're looking for. And so, you know, and then you've got a bunch of like startups that are trying to fill the void, but then you have the, especially for my particular project where we're working with an established institution that wants established institutions providing the materials for them. Yeah. They don't, 
they want to make sure that warranties you know, and they're they're still going to be around right so they want to make sure that the people who are supplying the material are going to be around too to take care of it yep yeah so i mean there there's all sorts of craziness going on out in the marketplace and you know obviously i was told you that uh you know our our project for hopkins is it, we just got most of all of our bids back and of course uh we saw a quite a quite a considerable escalation i was going to ask about that wow yeah wow so quite, so can you can you give like an order of magnitude kind of a um it, it about 30 percent. Mm. i mean i could give you exact numbers but i don't think i'm allowed no. to <laughs> right so yeah no that's why uh, i was asking like 30 percent is huge and and i mean it, we've been seeing that now for a little it's bit mammoth it's mammoth when you think about like scale of this project the no, yeah the scale of this project the 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 dollars that we're dealing with 30 percent is huge and so you know then the question is is well what does the owner do i mean you know we, we were always working towards kind of value engineering value management within the the whole design process you know just trying to keep toe the line of their initial budget to make sure that we were kind of like following uh, i mean because you know it was it was a tight budget and it's an institution and you know, you know their money doesn't grow on trees and they've got to go out and get donors they've got to go out and get you know yeah, fundraising capital and, yep. you know fundraising all of this stuff and so you know, it, it's not easy for them to just say, oh, yeah, and by the way, your buildings are going to cost 30% more than what it originally was. Right. And so the you know, question for them is, do they wait on the project? Do they value engineer more of it out? You know, and of course, as we all know, you know, when was the last time value engineering actually provided any real value? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. See previous episodes. Exactly. So, so there's this decision that has to be made or, you know, do we go out for more fundraising? You know, all of this stuff is, is things that the university needs for, you know, to be competitive with all of their peer institutions for a, you know, um, state of the art, uh, medical institute, you know, like medical research institution. It, it's not like they're like, okay, so what can we cut out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, as they stroke their chin, trying to think of like, you know, do we like, I mean, we had already, I mean, through the process of this, we had lopped off floors, we had lopped off program, we had locked, lopped off all sorts of like what would, what in our mind would be like large dollar items. And like right now we're at a reasonable building at a, what we thought was an affordable price. And you can kind of insert eye roll about mm-hmm. like what you consider afford affordable price. Yeah. But, uh, now you just, you know, now like this and every other project is, you know, like, okay, so what do I do now? I mean, do I just wait for, to do this project until the prices maybe settle out? Like is that, maybe, will they, that ever happen is the question. Exactly. It's like, will that ever happen? Will the manufacturers ever get to the demand? I mean, will they like ever reach, uh, I mean, cause like, you know, think about this, like every other project is out there chomping at the bit to have another project drop off so that they can move up in the queue. Um, yeah. You know, and so if you put yourself at the back of the queue, then you're more or less screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. There was some tweet by, I think Randy Deutsch did this. He, he put up a, a graph showing that construction material prices had fallen 50% 
since whatever the last time was. So, so my response was, you know, and it, I think it had to do with, with wood in particular. And it was, because everybody was talking about how expensive wood got. Yeah. Prices are down 50%. So now they're only, a, you know, 150% of what they used to be. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is that maybe the, pro- yeah, wood prices have definitely started to come down. But when people were looking for alternatives to wood, like, hey, let me switch to metal studs or things like that, that price still hasn't equalized. In fact, that that price started to go up now that the demand for alternate yeah. alternate to wood started to happen. You know, prices started to escalate. And so when we were at first, when we were seeing like just select portions of the market rise in cost because of demand, we were seeing other ones, you know, kind of like holding and then when people started to shift to other other like alternatives, we saw just demand kind of like equalize and just raise just across the board. And so not just like one particular sector of like, say, wood, but then metal stud, then cladding, then, you know, it's like, OK, so I can't get a sheet of OSB. So now I'm going to go to, um, you know, some kind of like uh, gypsum type product. And then you go to a gypsum product and they were actually holding at a reasonable cost or at least at like the market value, you know, pre-COVID. And now they're starting to elevate in price. And so now you're starting to literally see all these different materials because the the demands keep shifting from, okay, we can't get wood. Let's do something else. And it just crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Everybody's doing the same thing. It just doesn't yeah. work. And then there's that opportunity to, you know, slightly profiteer from panic. Yeah. And of course, you know, you, you start to see the, as it's called the natural, was it inflation, big fat air quotes there, isn't necessarily as natural as everybody is, you know, um, assuming it's more them just like hitting you with some pretty big stuff. Yeah. And part of that is making up for losses, previous losses. <laughs> but all, You're right. It is also like. The toilet paper episode, right? It's just like now toilet yeah. paper is in high demand. We will charge a lot more money for it or limit the amount that you can purchase. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I mean that we should I have, have a, uh, go ahead, sorry. I have a new appreciation for how hard it is to actually build things. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, oh, I I always felt like I had a pretty good handle on that, but there's nothing like doing it again to reinforce that understanding and appreciation it's like holy crap this is this is a lot of like i i like working with steel i like welding there is a Mm -hmm. lot of prep work um what i like about it is you don't have to be as uh like gentle with it as you do with wood (laughs) like you you can't hurt it uh it but but when you're when you're doing something it's just like wow okay first i cut it then i you know prep it then i weld it then i go back in and i clean it then I deburr the well. Then I do. Then I do some more sanding, and then I. Mm-hmm. And there's so many steps involved because I think that's part of the disconnect that I was talking about when we started. Was like there's a. I did this drawing. It has these lines on it. Make it look like this, right? Mm-hmm. There are yeah. so <laughs> many steps involved yeah. to make it look like that. And what I'm building looks like child's play compared to the complex buildings that we design. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing like what the coordination and the sequencing and the trades and the expertise is involved in making that actually happen. 
So like how the bigger picture then is like, how do we actually start to bring these puzzle pieces together so that there's, and and it goes both ways. Like I'm not trying to say like we suck as architects at appreciating this process. I am. It goes both ways, but like there's these two, there's not just two, there's so many pieces to the puzzle that don't appreciate what each other does. Oh yeah. Right. Contractors do it right back to architects. They don't look at the drawings. You're doing it wrong. We don't build it like that. What can we, what can we change order? Right. Like there's so much like gaming gamification of the projects. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's really, uh, it is a, a, it's a, it's a tangled web, right? It, it's very mm-hmm. complex and it's very messed up. Like, oh my God, imagine what we could do if we all worked together, if we were all on the same team. Yeah. It would be incredible. I just had this experience with a, an owner that was doing their own kind of like uh, price verification. And they're just like, you know, you got to make sure that everything is on, you know, your drawings, because we're not looking at your, you know, basis of design report. And we're like, wait, why? Because, you know, the, the drawings at this stage, which is early, early, early in the process are not going to show everything. And so most of your pricing should become, you know, if you're going to do a verification, then most of that should be coming out of the, out of the report, not the drawings. Right. You know, the drawings are just there to kind of like, quantify spaces at the very least you know they're not there to do anything else and so you know yeah, you have to, to be your, able to you have to have something to yeah. give you like rough order magnitude scope right that's what right. the drawings are at this point exactly and so but to go back to you know what you're what you were saying is that you know if we work together i mean it's like you know the contractors don't like you know fully read the drawings you know a lot of times they don't like look at the specs in relationship to the drawings and and so there's that that whole you know plight that we have but then vice versa you know we don't understand like current current trends in construction and things like that or even you know to the point of like how this conversation started start talking about you know we're going to design all of this stuff in X material or Y material, but not knowing the market and not knowing what that material cost is, is, you know, is just as detrimental to a project as not reading a set of documents is because if, if you're trying to say, I want to build, you know, I want to build it out of this X, you know, the, whatever kind of wood, you know, um, ePay wood, you know, let's just throw an expensive one out there, but ePay in the marketplace right now is, let's just say it's so expensive and it's so scarce but where you just draw this line in the sand, that it, it must be this. Yeah, you have to decide at some point. <laughs> exactly. And, but then, it, then what happens is that it's really expensive, it's unattainable, and it's going to set your schedule back like yeah. you know, months upon months upon months to, to just procure that. And so basically you have a mobilized contractor who sits around for months mm-hmm. waiting on material when they could be using an alternate material or something like that. And so – you know, yeah, you're right. Could you just imagine if we actually like work together? <laughs> yeah, right. And and it's it is interesting, right, to think about how like a, a group like the one you're you're talking about here, where they want to do this cost analysis and and verification, and you know, obviously they don't trust anybody. But it's like uh, you have to make decisions that have long term impacts, so that you can put numbers to them. 
Right. But right. at the same time, they want it completely flexible and, and so that you can just swap something out for another option without realizing the ramifications of that. And so you can't maintain that flexibility when you also want numbers. Right. Right. You can't. Like, that's why the lines start really loose and it is rough order magnitude and exactly. big scope. And there are large pads in there of margins, right? Because mm -hmm. you need mm -hmm. to have that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, what? There's panic hardware on those doors, right? I'm, this was a quote that came up during one of my reviews in school. And it was like third year. It was like, yeah. those doors have panic hardware on them, right? And it's like, What's panic hardware? Who are, you, who are you talking to right now? <laughs> I remember one time in second year, funny enough, that I we had this design competition that we did a yearly basis in Auburn. It was called the Wood Comp, and it was sponsored by some large like timber company uh, in the south, the Yellowwood, I think, if you have ever heard of them. Nope. Anyway, so in any way, so they you know, we had this competition and, and I happened to be walking behind the professors and I purposely kind of like slowed down to, of yeah. course, eavesdrop on what they were saying and glean some insight. Well, some more scholarly were, insight, <laughs> more because they were two away from mine. Um, and I just wanted to hear what they said. And, you know, and I had this like beautifully, like almost bat wing shaped kind of building that was cantilevered over this, uh, this creek with a with a waterfall and everything else and they started talking about like it being unbuildable and you know first i'm thinking to myself it's second year okay <laughs> nothing is buildable better be Me. better ground you're like yeah. sorry i didn't make it out of cmu guys jeez well, fu funny enough, if like, you know, I, I then started to hear the debate about like, you know, my supports and all this other stuff and, and how actually like, you know, short my cantilevers were. And like, they started to debate on whether or not it was buildable, which was interesting that they started to, to do that when they also didn't realize I was like standing practically right behind them, yeah. um, eavesdropping on them. And one of them was the professor in my studio. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> If he would have turned around and be like, okay, oh, just, he just walk by. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, just walk by. Um, but, but it was just, it was, it was so funny that like, they were just like, oh, you can't build this. And like, oh, you haven't taught me how to build anything. <laughs> where's your, where's your practical uh, building knowledge now? Jeez. Exactly. It's like, Could have had it back aren't, then. Aren't you the professor of the materials and methods course? That we, that um, I haven't taken yet? That I haven't taken yet. <laughs> You're talking about it not being buildable, and you know for a fact that I haven't taken your class. <laughs> you fool! Well, these adventures in contracting have definitely taken re reinvigorated my awareness of the disconnects. Right? There's yeah, yeah. They're there. They're real, and uh, you can draw the lines that represent the structure. But actually, trying to figure out how to put that together and what the best way is, and making it to code and attaching it to X, Y, and Z for lateral and structural support and all the, all these different things. And it's just, yeah. wow, there's a lot going on there. Well, you know, it also, it also works to our benefit when we understand both sides of the trade, both the design side, the engineering side, the construction side of things that when we are interacting with the client who wants to, you know, cut your budget 
because they're not, you know, all you're doing is just drawing some pictures, right? You know, what value do you bring? Mm. Or how how expensive is that piece of material? Or how hard can it really be to like frame this wall up? And like all of these different you know, aspects that the clients are always trying to find ways to cut the budget, but still get the same value or the same kind of like end result. Yeah. With not knowing that whole process through things. Architects who have the ability or have the experience of building things, of contracting things out on their own, can gain a greater respect for both our trade and their trade, but also should use that as an opportunity to be able to kind of like draw the line in the sand with the client and say, if this is your end result, if this is what you're trying to get, you've got to actually go through and pay for these this particular process. I mean, properly, because if you don't, what you think you're going to get at the end is certainly not what you're going to actually get. It also reinforces to me, I, I agree, it is valuable. Uh, there's there's a big lack of it within the, the industry and our profession in particular. I mean, I guess, it, again, it goes both ways. But there's also, I, I totally get why people want to stay in their lane. It reinforces, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it totally oh, yeah. reinforces the, yeah, I'm just going to stick to sitting at the desk and drawing it because... Yeah, there's a lot going on there that I don't I don't want to know about. And like like what I ignorance is bliss, right? Uh, on many levels. I can see why the the risk aversion is real. I can see why people do stay within their realm of expertise only and really you know treat it like it is a handoff. Like okay, okay, yeah, you guys figure this part out. Because it, it is a lot to do it all. It is a lot to do it. All of the pieces, for sure. This episode is made possible with support from Twin Motion. This episode of the Arcuspeak podcast is made possible by Twin Motion. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience. To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash Arcuspeak. That's twinmotion.link, not .com, slash Arcuspeak. This episode is made possible with support from Monograph. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. 
And to underscore their commitment to the community, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with a goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. There's a, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, like when I was saying that, like the understanding the process, understanding the expertise that goes into it, and, you know, then understanding like what that desired outcome is. It reminds me of, and I'm, for some reason, I'm blanking on the name of that. There's a, a cake show where they like show a picture of, you know, like, or they, they show an example of a cake that they want these. Oh, you're talking about nailed bakers. it. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed yeah, it. Yeah. Is awesome. That is a <laughs> I mean, great show. It's on isn't Netflix. It's, yeah. Isn't it sort of like that though? Mm. You know, where, you know, you, you're just like, I know what I want, but I don't know the process to get there. That and is so, the great, great example because it is so true. And it's, that show is so funny. Oh my gosh. If oh, you guys yeah. haven't watched it, you have to watch that because yeah, you're right. There's, there's this chef that's on the show uh, who's not, who's one of the judges of the final output, and they bring in bakers who are totally amateur, right? <laughs> like yeah. just household bakers, and and they've likely like never made anything close. And and so then they show an example of what they want the contestants to make, and it is this amazing sculptural, it's beautiful, highly precise, but... beautiful cake. And then they're they're like, okay, and here's all the ingredients. Go. Right. And, and yeah. they and they do give them like directions on how to do the different pieces, but they also give them an absurdly short amount of time, which I mean, again, to bring it back to this analogy that you're talking about, everybody <laughs> yeah. thinks is totally realistic. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, we could have the, the deck and the pergola in a week. That's because that's what we want. Right. Well, that's what we see on HDTV. Totally. <laughs> the you expectations know. are are set by this, uh, you know, behind the scenes editing magic. You know, I have a feeling, and it just dawned on me, I have a feeling that if you think about a lot of those home shows, they, you know, used to like do a lot of that stuff like up in like the Northeast and stuff where a lot of those um, production companies were based. And they would even, you know, like, uh, what was it like? uh, There's a TV show, you know, called Love It or Listed. And so they used to, you know, do these these um you know like home renovations and stuff like that and it's just like are you going to love your home or are you going to list it mm-hmm. you know and then and all this other stuff it's so, after the competition's over right but yeah, yeah. but but uh, you would notice that in the background the scenery was always changing leaves were falling and all this oh. other stuff <laughs> and you know snow on the ground and everything else and so they've switched it actually to a you know the kind of like um i think it's either like north carolina or south carolina where it you know stays greener evergreen <laughs> you know you've got your your evergreens we've recognized so, the flaws in our production schedule exactly we want I, people to think this I, happens fast i totally bet that that's the thing is just like boom it happens overnight because you watch this old house and you just like watch the entire seasons like two years worth of seasons change <laughs> while they're um, redoing before, the floor <laughs> while they're redoing exactly <laughs> that's and, real that's, that's authenticity the right there exactly but then you see like these other shows it's just like um hey we did this in a weekend it's just like really did you it's just like oh god there's this one where this one show i watched where they would like you know 
pick somebody up in in a in one of their home you know like the local home depot or lowe's or whatever and say you know hey are you working on a project and if they like said you know yeah you can come home with me they would like come over and like bring their crew and all this other stuff and kind of like revamp your yard or something like that but the, the amazing thing about it was is that you know they would come in and it's just like you know hey we've never seen your yard but here are some detailed drawings of that yard that you know we've <laughs> never seen and we're going to we get you know it was a yard just like it exactly <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and get you know all of the permits and and everything else and all of these inspections and all of this other stuff done in 15 minutes so that we can spend the next you know 34 hours uh building you a brand new you know thing and have yeah. it fully inspected and everything else and and then we can just like surprise here's your back you know it's just like come on man this is what's ruined our profession because everybody thinks that that end result that cake that beautifully sculpted cake is what you can get in that short amount of time and I, I, what you really get is that monstrosity that unedible mess that people usually create i love it because it in comparison to something like the great british baking show which has oh, also yeah. been a, a guilty pleasure right you you yeah. see what goes wrong during the process and how devastating it is to people because of the competition they don't want to be sent home right exactly and exactly, yeah. where where nailed it like they embrace the the disasters right and they're like exactly because because the show has this whole tongue-in-cheek mentality whereas great british baking show right you're going up against paul hollywood and yeah you know prue hewitt and you're gonna you're gonna be judged and 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 as if you are an expert <laughs> right 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 it, it's so but it's, i mean but they're all, you know, not only are the bakers, but the judges are all expecting that, you know, kind of like perfected Perfection. end result. Right. And and so it's expected that, you know, you're going to be bringing your A game and, you know, you've done all of this stuff before. So you have the experience and the knowledge to work your way through things like you wouldn't have tackled this, your particular um, deck with both, you know, like the wood framing and all of the steel trellises and stuff, you would not have tackled that if you had never done any of this stuff before. And if I didn't own most of the tools already. (laughs) And if you didn't own, you know, the thousands of dollars worth of tools. And if I I just had a bank account full of money, I probably wouldn't have either, right? Exactly. Somebody do it. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, and yeah, so like you had the experience and, and also the confidence in yourself to be able to say, yeah, I've done this enough times where I can actually do this. Um, and if you didn't have all of those tools, you probably wouldn't have, because then you would have realized as you started to buy those tools to do your project, you're like, holy crap, this is far more expensive than I thought. I mean, it's not just my sweat equity and a bunch of like raw materials, but it's everything else that goes into it. (laughs) And my wife is, very like the the grounded one right she's just like you you know before it even started you need to hire somebody to do this right <laughs> she knows yeah. she knows like what it's like to go through these projects with me in particular right and yeah. it's just yeah. like some days it's it's fine some days it's okay some days it's really bad you know but there's never like that euphoric feeling <laughs> and so uh it sort of sounds like life right yeah she's she was just like yeah you know i told you told you to hire somebody to do this right and it's like i look at it and i'm like we would have never gotten this never in a, yeah we would have never gotten this because that 
age-old battle that we were just that I was just kind of complaining about with contractors and architects and not trusting each other and not under, not appreciating what they bring to the, to the puzzle is exactly what I would have been up against, right? It, mm-hmm. it would have been like, no, we do it this way. I mean, it was like when I built the pool at my last house and the guy we go out to stake it out and the guy was like, this is, I was, this is 11 foot eight and five eights. And he's like, no, just in feet. That's all we do. We only do it in feet. Like what? <laughs> but that was the mentality, right? It was, no, we, we do it a certain way. We don't do it like mm-hmm. that. And right, right. so I would have got a very generic deck that everybody else would have had with a very generic trellis with the cute little corners cut out of the wood beams and the joists and, it just would have, you know, it would have had all exposed fat. It would have been, it would have been a bunch of stuff. I can't actually say that, you know, exactly how it would have turned out, of course. But, and I'm but sure it, it, would, it would have been fine, wanted. but it wouldn't have been what I wanted, right? Right, right. And that's why I, I was really like, oh, and I have to do this one myself. Like, and I look at it and I'm really proud of the work. It was hard to get here. But at the same time, it's it's really rewarding, but only to me. <laughs> Like that's another thing I have to have a perspective on is like see like I see the flaws, right? But I also see the things that really worked out and the details. And neither one of those things are things that anybody else would really appreciate. Exactly. And and it's like, huh, is this adding value to your home, right? Which is kind of like the question that comes up all the time, right? Because that's all that seems to matter these days is is that. And it's like, well, not not for what it is like it, it just could have been a a deck a generic deck like super genero mm-hmm. version and it would have added the same value as mine even though mine is 10 times nicer because of the yeah. the effort that i put into designing the details to be as minimal as they are right and then actually executing that nobody cares and that that is also just something that just i kind of close my eyes and shake my head about it's like oh it, that we can't get to those levels because nobody cares. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think about this. You, you'd send me a picture of your fire pit and I was just like, Ooh, where can I order one of those? Thinking to myself, <laughs> you probably bought that thing. No, you built that thing. And actually it's really nice and it fits beautifully with the overall design. So, you know, I know it wasn't finished, but I mean, it's still like it, it worked and it just, and I was actually kind of floored that you built that fabrication, man. Yeah, I mean that that was probably the most your... fun part of the project was was design. Like so, so the f- interesting thing about that again, like getting into the, the the weeds on this is, like, I knew how much steel I needed roughly to accomplish what I wanted. Right, I drew a very like a sketchy drawing of what I wanted to build, and then I just went to the steel shop and I looked on the remnant rack. What can I use to... I love the remnant racks. The remnant rack is awesome. And yeah. and it was like, what can I use on this rack to get close to what I sketched? Yeah, yeah. Nobody will. Nobody ever will ask me the, that question. Where did this design come from? Mm-hmm. They will just be like, hey, cool fire pit, right? Um, yeah. But but like going through that process of, okay, actually, and... and and I also combined it with steel that I had left over from previous projects, right, in the garage. Um, and so that it feels good to use that stuff because otherwise it's been sitting around for a decade, right? I haven't done anything with it. <laughs> and it's like, 
okay, what can I use on this rack? What can I use that's in my garage to make a thing? And to me, like that, that's a really cool process to go through. It's like, it's kind of like building something out of found materials, right? It's like when you right, go to some right. of these places, like, I think we talked about it previously on the on episode, but I did this this trek out one winter to this place called East Jesus, which is um, in Salvation Mountain, which is out by the Salton Sea, out east of mm, Palm Springs, yeah, yeah. and it's just like art installations made of found materials. Like you'll find this giant woolly mammoth made out of old tire pieces that were like roadkill, you know, that mm. semi truck tires that had been shredded and people picked them up and they made a woolly mammoth out of it it's kind of like that right it's but you're making something that's nice out of remnants like leftover pieces this one's got a dent in it this one's got a little too much rust on it this one was a, a cut that nobody wanted right and so then what can i piece together and make it look like exactly you know to fit this design Right out right. of these kind of leftover pieces, and that that is kind of a rewarding process to go through too. But it also takes a a very open mind and kind of an ingenuity to say, okay, now that I know what pieces I have to work with, now I can design it and make it fit, and then I can build it, and I can practice welding some more because it just never turns out. The, that's the hardest part about welding, right? It's like you, you weld it; it's done. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no undo button on the welder. I wish there was. Like that. That's probably the most uh, hardest thing to get. Well, through. I mean, there is, isn't there? It's the plasma cutter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I would like one of those, please. Um, I'll take that in a minute. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but seriously, uh, I think you know we're also so used to that undo mentality of mm-hmm. iter- or iterating, right? Just copy it over here and try something else, and oh man. It's not like that in the real world when you're when you're working with real materials. You cut that steel, you better have cut it too long and not too short, right? Exactly. You only get one more chance. <laughs> and you weld it, and uh, your your helmet isn't dialed in just right so that you can see where you're going, and you start getting off track because that's mm. it's and you're off track, like period. <laughs> see, and again, it's those little nuances of craft of that of that particular profession like you know, say, really knowing your tools and really knowing what what they yeah how you have to dial things in dial in that jig so that it it holds the thing exactly how you want i mean how many how many steel stairs have you designed for clients yeah, that right you know you realize that you're at the mercy of the quality of the welder or and, or the uh the yeah, like the the artistry of the fabricator right exactly Exactly. Like what kind yeah. of what kind of welder are you going to use? Are you going to do that with MIG? Or you can do that with TIG, right? Like it, mm. and just knowing those kinds of how, what the outcomes of using different tools are, and specifying that so that the drawings communicate that information to the person who's actually going to be making it. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know why we're harping on, um, or at least I'm about to start harping on like welding and stuff. But <laughs> I don't know why I'm about to go here. But <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> But I mean, you know, just the, the, you know, and I kind of said this earlier in a different way, but like, so if architects are designing steel stairs or something like that, which I've done on numerous occasions. One of my favorite and, things you know, to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, some of the detailing that you can get out of that, as long as, you know, you, you understand, which is where I'm going is that when architects are designing these things, they really need to understand what the capabilities of what they're asking somebody else to do is. 
because you know there's a lot of times when you know you say like a full pen continuous weld Mm -hmm. you know and they're just like well what the hell does that mean you know and what what is the end result when i actually say that that's what i want not just saying that but but knowing what it's going to look like knowing what it's going to look like because you could you could say it all day long but if you don't know what it's going to end up looking like and when you look at it and you're like oh oh didn't want that what i didn't want that (laughs) i I wanted i wanted this i'm like well then you should have asked for that (laughs) exactly yeah exactly you know and really kind of like understanding the crafts that you're asking somebody else to do like if you're going to ask a carpenter to to do something you know know what like know a little bit about carpentry even if you don't have to like swing the hammer yourself know a little bit about what that end result is so that you can actually ask for the right thing it's and and i think you can actually accomplish that just by watching a lot of stuff right oh yeah i mean that that is when we grew up watching this old house yeah a lot of it came from that because we didn't get to do it ourselves for instance right and you would watch norm do it on the show and it's like Okay, now I get I understand that a little bit better, right? And I, and I understand what a rabbit joint is, right? Because I I watched him do it and I watched him do it a bunch. That to me is the kind of thing that can actually help in those instances when you can't get out there and make it yourself or you can't buy the tools and and try it yourself and you don't have a project or a reason. But those that there is you can kind of learn through osmosis watching that kind of stuff. Exactly. It, or at least at least have, you know, because we are visual learners, at least have the kind of like dropped in the in your memory bank of like, OK, well, I've seen somebody do a rabbiting joint or tongue and groove or this or that. And I can remember what the end result is. So when I'm saying I want, you know, a tongue and groove appearance that I know what I'm actually getting, you know, I mean, that's one of the gifts I believe that architects possess is being visual learners, like looking at something and saying, okay, that's what I want. How do I reverse engineer that to mm-hmm. actually do that? And, and we're actually pretty damn good at that. Yeah. But it's but it's really like understanding, like, okay, I see that. What is that? Tell me about that. Give me some information about what it is that I'm looking at. You know, talk to the tradesmen, talk to the craftsmen. I mean, I sat there watching a guy disassemble these 105-year-old double-hung windows with the big lead weight in them and everything else. And, you know, we talked about the process. We talked about what he would do to restore these windows. We talked about just, like, everything that goes into it. Just so I could know exactly what it is. So if I ever run into having to do a historic, you know, renovation or a historic restoration of double-hung windows... I understand what I'm asking somebody to do. And then I can also then translate that into the value. So, so you know what's you going on that. when the bids come in so high. Exactly. It's just like, ooh. <laughs> You're like, no, that's, that's what it costs. You're like, like, I mean, <laughs> I get you know, it. Let, let, me, let me explain to you what goes. And then I could actually advocate for, you know, that particular tradesman or that particular craftsman. I'm saying, okay, look, you know, the reason why that price came in, you know, you asked for, us to do a restoration of your of all of your double double hung windows and what goes into that is this 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 and this mm-hmm. and and so it's not like it's not just, just a note on the page pop, exactly it's just like you're not just popping that window out and popping a new window back in kind of thing which is you know where we normally go towards but you're actually asking 
somebody with, you know, modern skills and stuff to restore something that might not have necessarily been built right in the first place, but to restore it back to its original, you know, state of, of being, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a whole lot. I was laughing. I have this quick little tangent story, which was somebody, a friend of mine was telling me how they went to visit a house that, that their friend owned and it had new windows in it and they were vinyl nail thin windows in an adobe house oh because that's all the contractor does oh my gosh i don't want to go any farther than that i just thought we can all like throw up a little bit in our mouths right now exactly (laughs) but i was where i wanted to go with this was you know we we grew up watching like all we had was this old house for instance yeah and or doing it ourselves now it's amazing like there's this fantastic uh, Instagram channel called Awesome Framers. I love mm-hmm. watching their stuff. They post videos about how they do things and why they do things, and they'll they'll like using this tool today to do this because man, I've never used a router to cut out windows out of you know a sheeted house before. It's not how I would have done it, but man, it's way better. It's a it's a cool way, and and you get to watch kind of advances in construction technique, advances in tools, and how. Uh, willing contractors are to pick up on those things because it's safer or it's faster or it's more, uh, you know, an expected outcome every time they do it. It's really interesting to watch how willing they are to invest in new tooling for those reasons versus us. (laughs) It's like new tool. No, thanks. I want to just keep drawing it in CAD or, or whatever it is. It's like, we're, 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 we have so much invested because we sell time for money and we don't actually sell the house, right. Or whatever the project is. Right. Uh, we're like, we've already invested a million years into doing it this way. And we're as fast as we're ever going to be at it. I don't want a new thing that you say is going to make it. You know, I, I just roll my eyes at that as well, but it is kind of interesting to, that there's, a amazing content that's so accessible out there and it's fun to watch these guys make it so fun to watch these things and they've got great mm-hmm. personality and they're not the crusty old contractor they're like the new school guys who obviously have tons of experience but they're just fun to watch and they make it fun uh there's they're on tiktok they're on instagram you know yeah um, yeah it's amazing the stuff that's out there so like there really is no excuse well, not to watch this stuff and learn on on a daily basis, like as you're taking a a a break, it's scrolling through Instagram. You can subscribe to places like that where it's like it's it's not just memes, right? Totally. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I I subscribe to um, fine home building, and but along with that, I also get you know email blasts and updates. And along with the email updates, there's the there's a podcast. It's a video podcast. Um, there's YouTube channels that like show all of these different things and so if you're if you're like a an architect who's designing a home i'm you know hopefully pretty sure you guys probably have subscriptions to those type of magazines or things like that but you know if you're asking somebody to actually do some of the things that you do i mean what is what's the best way to do it but the to watch tradesmen actually like Mm -hmm. you know how do i do this like i i need help in framing this this eve okay well you know i mean there's like you said there's like there's all these different resources that Mm -hmm. you can go after that's amazing now i've got some more people to add to my 
yeah. uh, resource list. It's incredible. Uh, you know, another YouTube channel I love watching is the essential craftsman. And it's this, this old guy and his son. And I, I mean, I'm sure he would agree. He's, he is older. Um, but you know, <laughs> been a contractor his whole life. And it's like, now he's capturing this knowledge and putting it onto YouTube. Yeah. Right. He's, he's building this amazing following of craftsmen. And so he is, he has a fantastically monetized channel as well. And so he's basically creating his retirement, I think on YouTube, but like good for him, right? He's, he's also cataloging this information into a very kind of, in a very teachable, digestible way. It's very much not like a documentation of just what he's doing, but why he does it that way. And what these tools are good for and how you've never like one of the most eye-opening videos that he did that I watched was like on this 25 foot Stanley tape measure and all the things it can do that you had no idea a tape measure could do. Right. And why it's designed exactly like that. And, and the, the amount of play in the tip. So you can measure inside between two things and outside and the measurement's the same, right? Like because of the thickness of that tip, like it's built into the rivets on the end of the tape measure. And why are why are this why is there a little slot in the end of that tip? Well, so that you can put a nail in, you can hook it on there, and you can draw a radius with your tape measure. Like there's all these things that you just don't know because no one ever showed you. And for somebody to actually take the time, and again, listen, like he's. His son and he are doing this. His son's probably the one who's the digital savvy person, and he's the one with all this knowledge. Like, let's team up and let's make this amazing catalog resource for people here on out. And like, this is how you do it. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. We don't do enough of that in architecture either. Right, right. Well, okay. So we started talking about how like we grew up watching this old house, and I, I've been watching more recently some of the newer episodes of this old house. And I had noticed, you know, as they start talking about like um, plumbing and mechanical technologies that go into homes in, you know, like m- modern home building, the, the two engineers and contractors that are working on this old house that are the, the new engineers, they're younger, younger kids, probably in their, their thirties, you know, but they are the sons of the original. Yeah. Keep like, it in the family. <laughs> keeping it in the family. And it's just, you know, passing on and stuff. But, you know, it's just so interesting that you talk about this father and son team. And, you know, it's just like how many different, like, you know, teams of like, you know, parents to children, you know, are being information's being passed on to kind of like keep the trade alive, but also advance the trade. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting. It's yeah, just a it is. weird little side note. I mean, but that's that's always been how it is in contracting is the, the apprenticeship model, right? And except now they're leveraging digital platforms to broaden the audience. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. Like, more please, yes. Exactly. And it's public, right? It's not like, this is how we do it and we have to keep it a secret and you're part of the guild and you'll never tell anybody because we've got this blood handshake, right? <laughs> exactly it's not like that at all it's like man like the more people that know about this the better right because a like skilled labor is non-existent right so we need to be able to teach people for free how to do this stuff the education part should be free and then people can actually take it up and and become those people that we want them to become because 
the cost of an education should not be a limiting factor. But also just because like, like we're proud of what we do. We want people to understand it better. We want people to know what goes into these things. And that's what a public platform like, I, I hate to say those words because like YouTube is still YouTube, right? It's, it, they could, they could take your videos down and they could censor you and they, it's their platform. But mm-hmm. it, ideally, right? This public platform is a place where an algorithm can serve you a video because you just watched one on, on a set of stairs being built to then move you into like what this tool is good for and what a square is good for and how to use it. And like you go down this rabbit hole of learning that's just incredible. Absolutely incredible resources out there. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Well, next time I want to ask you about this uh, architects designing cars thing. Give us a high-level overview. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. I, you said you went down that rabbit hole, so maybe maybe a, a teaser for, for what we could talk about coming up. It, it's, it started off with um, me you know, just reading an article about a uh, Heatherwick uh, kind of pairing up with a Chinese company to develop a car. And that kind of started leading me down, you know, this rabbit hole of other architects that have designed cars and you and I, and I don't know how many other people that we know, friends of the show, just friends of friends and all this other stuff that are car people as much as anything else. But when I was reading this article, I mean, one of the things that kind of like stood out to me, you know, from, from Heatherwick, which was, which really honestly kind of like resonated it was you know basically that his design sensibilities as he was developing his design sensibilities in before he really got into architecture was through car design and i was just like yes exactly i mean my whole thought in my future was i was going to do one of two things i was either going to when we stood up and they said okay you know tell us what you know you're going to be doing in the future i was like you're either going to be driving one of my cars or you're going to be walking through one of my buildings Uh. That's yeah. awesome. Because that that was, you know, those were the two paths that I wanted to pursue. I um, never considered the whole automotive thing like a, a real path, but I wish I had now. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, every I mean, time but, I do it, it's, it's, oh yeah. The scale of it is just so approachable and understandable and yet still yeah. so technical and complicated. And, 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 and think about, think about what you've been doing with your, with the design and construction of just this one effort that you've been doing with your deck and how like you took control of it because you wanted to control the details and because everything was tactile to you, everything like, like what was that like end result? What was that aesthetic that you were trying to, to reach and stuff? And if you can't think of like, I mean, yeah, we, we try to say that architecture is like that, but you know, and a lot of times we lose control over like, you know, some of the things that we would really like to do just because of the nature of construction and stuff. You know, we've sort of been kind of highlighting and talking about that, you know, today. But also, like, but car design, I mean, like everything, like virtually everything is sort of designed to, you know, have human hands on. And and so Used that to was be always least, something. Yeah. Well, I mean, now, I mean, your hands have got to be extraordinarily double jointed and, you know, and like be able to like, robots, man. Robots. Exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, I, I fell down that rabbit hole and I definitely, it's definitely something that I want to talk about. I think we better finish this episode off with, uh, with a, a final thought. 
which is all right let's just stop there i can't this is a good cliffhanger i can't wait to to hear more about the cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>